You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimal of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Guys, welcome to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpus on Jabberjaw Media. I am your host, Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. And boy, does it feel good to be back. I have taken some time off, some much needed time off, to recollect my thoughts and my goals and deal with some other things that were going on in life. Um, lost somebody pretty close to home and uh, just take some time off and really try to find center again. Um, and I feel like I've done that and uh, I'm really sorry that the show has been offline for a good part of two, two and a half months. Um, and so going forward with the show, we're going to be putting episodes out uh, hopefully every week. Sometimes it may be bi-weekly depending on how things are going. Um, but really appreciate you guys sticking by, um, and the numbers are still going well and everything like that. So really appreciate having you guys on week after week, even though we've been gone. Uh, A lot of people have been emailing saying they've been going back through past episodes and, uh, you know, just to make up for the time. And, and that really means a lot too. So, uh, again, really appreciate you guys. Um, this episode, uh, I just did yesterday. And this is a special episode to me because it's something I've wanted to do for a long time. 
uh, even when the show first started. And the my guest today is Tepe Teranishi from Thrice. And I know you guys heard episode three uh, with the full band of Thrice and the audio was awful. And I was still figuring things out as far as my audio and my microphones and things like that. And that episode was supposed to be just Tepe and I as well. Um, but the whole band's press for the day fell through that day. And so we threw the whole band on there and I was not prepared but it was a good time anyways. I've been friends with those guys for a long time, so it was a good jumping off point. But at the same time, I've been wanting to talk to Tepe and get his story because he's always kind of behind the scenes. He's a massive force in that band, a founding member, um, you know, one of the key songwriters, and just an awesome guy and super interesting. Good at so many different things, but at the same time, in interviews, he's always kind of in the background. So I really wanted to talk to him and get his story, and I feel like we did that yesterday at the Roseland. Um, went out to, to dinner or lunch beforehand, kind of warmed things up and and uh, hit it hard. So it's really interesting to hear where he comes from and you know kind of his socialization and and you guys know how I do the show. How I, I try to you know go back to the beginning, find out what makes someone tick and where they got to where they are. And you know Tepe has always been a good friend. And I really appreciate him taking the time for this. And uh, I'm sure a lot of you don't know his story. So uh, hopefully this is interesting to you um, as it was special for me. Um, those guys have always been just the kindest people and one of the coolest bands and just, I mean, role models just always been above and beyond, you know, stretching, uh, stretching, pushing the envelope, I guess you could say, you know, changing their style around and just keeping things fresh for them. You know, everyone writes, and I know you guys have heard uh, Ed and Riley on uh, the show as well, uh, trying to go back through their story too. So I'm trying to kind of catch up to everyone and make up for that first episode that the audio was just, I had the mic on the wrong setting and it was just uh, a nightmare. <laughs> uh, so I appreciate you guys sticking around and, uh, you know, I really, really have missed doing this show and, and having Tepe on was a great way to come back and get back on the right foot. So as usual, let's get some business out of the way before we jump into the episode. Um, PeerPleasurePodcast.com is the website. Uh, you can find out everything on there, from the blog to the store, to all the uh, upcoming episodes, past episodes. It's kind of your one-stop shop. Uh, we're also on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, all the socials, as usual. Uh, Rockabilia.com is still sponsoring the show and the network. They are your one-stop shop for everything band merch. And a bunch of fantastic people. They've been supporting the show and the network for a really long time. So head over to rockabilia.com and check out all the great band merch. I'm sure they have some awesome Thrice merch on there as well. If you get a, a hankering for that after this episode. And uh, PC Jabberjaws, the code, gets you 15% off your order. Um, another one I want to talk about, I've talked about before, and we're working together again, is Sticker Ninja. Sticker Ninja PDX is the website. These guys are amazing. Um, they've made the last run of stickers um, that we're almost out of, and they're making a new one right now. And just seriously, a mom and pop shop right here in Portland in this small purple building. It's a big art space. They are passionate about stickers. They're passionate about art. Um, and as you know, the show has some pretty awesome art by Boss Dog and, and Wooden Cyclops on Instagram. Um, you know, some great 
artists helping out with the show. So they are super stoked to print the stickers because they love the artwork and they love printing, you know, cool things. And uh, not tooting our own horn here, but uh, Wooden Cyclops and Boss Dog have done some amazing amazing artwork for the show um, and those are coming out with some new stickers as well so check out sticker ninja pdx.com uh, they're fantastic people great local business and they really really stepped up and helped out the show with some great great durable bright just awesome stickers that I, I mean i you guys know i work construction i've had them on my hard hat for the better part of six to eight months and that thing gets knocked around every day and it looks like i just put them on there um, I mean, they mean what they say. So check out Sticker Ninja. Um, they're on Instagram. They're all over the place. So we'll be advertising for them for a while because I really like what they're doing and I really believe in them as people. So check out Sticker Ninja. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and get into this, guys. And, uh, you know, I may delve in deeper on the absence that we've been on uh, in future episodes, but I really want to get to this one and get you guys back in the groove. So uh, without further ado, let's check out my conversation with Tepe Taranishi from thrice Tepe Taranishi. Hello. From Thrice. Hi. Dude, it's been a long time coming. Yeah. Yeah. Long time. Uh, Known each other a long time. Yes. And when I first started the podcast, we talked about this earlier, but you guys were super gracious about coming on board episode three when I did not know what I was doing. I I remember that. It was Crystal Ballroom, was it? Yeah. Yeah. And it was was going to be you and I. Yeah, and I I actually went the publicist route, which I don't go very often. Um, and so it was set up at the time I showed up. You guys were late because you're coming from San Francisco, like tonight or like today. But it was weather, I think. Oh, okay. Um, and then all of a sudden, everything for press that day canceled pretty much. So I was like, oh, you yeah, guys yeah. all want to do it? I do. And then I was scrambling because I was like, oh no, we're all going to be in a circle. I've got this microphone I've used twice, like <laughs> so. <laughs> Anyways, apologies to anyone listening to this that listened to episode three and couldn't hear everybody, but I think it was mainly Riley that got 
bumped out because he was on the far side of the room. But anyway, um, been a long time coming. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. We're at the beautiful Roseland Theater in Portland, Oregon. And uh, yeah, I've wanted to do this for a long time. I've wanted to kind of get your story. I don't think it's out there. I don't think a lot of interviews focus on you as a person and what you do. It's mainly like a group setting. You know what I mean? Where yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Dustin's done a few and, and stuff like that. So I've been excited for a long time to kind of dig in a little bit. So Sweet. Awesome. So where do you come from? Where'd you grow up? Did you grow up in Southern California? Yes. Yeah, I was born in San Luis Obispo. So I guess that's like central. Even though if you look at a map, it's not really central. Um, but yeah, so been born in San Luis Obispo. We were in santa barbara for a little bit i think and then we made our way down to la bounced around gardena and torrance uh which are kind of like the japanese communities in la okay and then ended up making our way down to orange county uh when i was like in fourth grade okay and then ended up staying there so were your parents uh did your parents grow up in japan or did they grow up over here uh yeah they, they grew up in japan uh, they came over to go to school um, at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, okay. which is why I was born there. Um, yeah. Okay. So, brothers and sisters? No, only child. Only child. Yeah. So, did you have the traditional kind of upbringing as far as... I know it's different... Um, I mean, there's... A, there's a, I've talked about this on the podcast before sure. I, with a, Yvette Young. Uh, she had a very traditional... Uh, Asian upbringing, okay. piano lessons, yep. uh, broke her finger, nope, you're still going to the recital, yep. that kind of stuff. Did you have that kind of upbringing? Or is more um, not not so much. I mean, I grew up in a very Japanese household. Um, you know, like I spoke Japanese at home and, uh, you know, it was pretty like, I don't know, ate Japanese food all the time. And, you know, my parents are from Japan, so it was mm-hmm. a very Japanese house. Um but they were they were both pretty mellow for for Japanese or even you know Asian parents. They weren't like the stereotypical like tiger mom tiger parents kind of thing. <laughs> um, so I think I was pretty lucky. They were pretty liberal. Um, yeah, they just they kind of let me do what I wanted to do and let me be who I wanted to be, um, which I'm I'm very grateful for. You know. Yeah. But I mean, I did do the you know I did the piano lessons and. Uh, had Japanese school on Saturdays and was so bummed on that. <laughs> what is Japanese school? Um, so it's it's called Asahi Gakuen. Uh-huh. And uh, it's like literally, you, so you just do regular, you know, public school, Monday mm-hmm. through Friday. And then on Saturday, all day Saturday, you go to school again. Okay. But it's a Japanese school, so you learn, you know, like the Japanese curriculum. So... Uh, you know, you learn to read and write Japanese. You do, I mean, you do all the subjects. I remember there's like social studies, um, even math. They would teach you Japanese math. They teach it to you in a, a slightly different way. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Did you sucked. get anything from this? I mean, um, yeah, a little bit. Like I still kind of like, I think the way I think about math is a little more Japanese maybe. Okay. Um, I can still read and write like really, really basic Japanese. Japanese writing is really complicated. Um, we have like three 
different forms of written language, I guess. Okay. Um, and so there's like the Japanese phonetic alphabet. It's called hiragana. And then there's katakana, which is the same alphabet, but different characters, okay. uh, which is used mostly for writing like non-Japanese words, if that makes any sense. So I can read and write both of those. But then on top of that, Japanese people use kanji, which is Chinese characters. Okay. And that's what makes it really complicated because there's like literally thousands. And so to be able to read and write, you know, actual Japanese like newspapers or books or whatever, mm -hmm. um, you need to know like several thousand kanji, I, th I feel like. so. That's crazy. Yeah. So that's that's where I fall flat. But I mean, you know, that's the stuff that like you would do kanji tests and whatever and mm -hmm. I would be failing them every week because I would be studying <laughs> and I was just bummed to be at school on Saturday, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Man, that's interesting. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Japanese school yeah, yeah, on Saturdays. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I'm, I'm sure it's, I'm pretty sure it's still going too. Like yeah. the same, same school. Okay. Yeah. And when, so you had the piano lessons and everything. Were your parents musicians as well? Or is it something they just wanted to, as kind of a discipline where, you know, learn this, learn this, learn this. Yeah. I think it was more of a, like, yeah, like a discipline kind of thing. But my dad, my dad plays guitar. Okay. Which is where I picked it up from. Okay. Um, he's not like a shredder or anything, but he just, there's always an acoustic guitar in the house and, um, you know, he, he really likes music a lot. And so I grew up, you know, hearing his music really. Mm -hmm. So like Bob Dylan, Neil Young, uh, Beatles, that, okay. that sort of stuff. Yeah. Did you take to that at an early age, that music, or was it something where you kind of got into that later? I mean, I, I know for me, when I got into like really into music, it was more into like punk rock, metal kind of stuff, and I kind of looked at everything else as garbage, and then right, kind of came back around to it. I think it's kind of the same. I mean, yeah. I mean, I grew up hearing that stuff, and I wasn't like an active fan of that music necessarily i guess but it was around and i enjoyed it you know and i mm -hmm. think it kind of seeped its way into my like dna in a way okay um but yeah i mean the first music that i like really found and fell in love with and was like my own was i think metal metal okay <laughs> yeah yeah like i mean i i'd say like around fourth grade or so i think i started you know really finding my own music and getting into things like Guns and Roses and whatever, but that kind of quickly turned into more Metallica and you know whatever I don't know okay. Megadeth and the anything anything that was on Headbangers Ball basically I was like super into. Okay, yeah. so you got to watch that kind of stuff on TV. I was never allowed to watch that stuff. Yeah, on TV, so that, yeah, so yeah, you know, again, my parents being pretty liberal, like awesome. I remember my mom would let me drag my mattress out. I I think it was like Saturday nights, right? Was it on? Yeah, Headbangers I think Ball, so. Saturday yeah. Nights? yeah, I would, and it was on late. I mean, it was probably like 11, but yeah. it felt late to me. Sure. Um, but I would drag my mattress out into the living room and then stay up and watch Headbangers Ball and fall asleep watching it. And she would let me do that every Saturday. Dude, <laughs> yeah. that's excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's excellent. That's something I see. I never got exposed to that kind of stuff. I think the first Metallica record I heard was the Black Album and someone okay. had it on the school bus playing through it like a cassette stereo. Right, right. And I think they got kicked off the bus for that because you're not allowed to have you know music blaring on there. But right. that was my first. <laughs> like a boombox or something? Yeah. I didn't know there was anything before that for yeah. Metallica. Like yeah, I came yeah. into things so late. I grew up in a Mormon household. So like okay. my parents were very, they weren't strict, but they were strict at what you could watch and listen to. Sure. Like yeah. My dad broke. I had the chronic by Dr. Dre. He snapped it in half. Yeah. <laughs> so this will not be in my house. Yeah. 
Yeah. But which is yeah. funny though, because now being a parent, like it's a little understandable, right? You're like, yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I woke up this morning. My daughter was watching a Cardi B video on YouTube, and I was just like, "What is what is happening?" Dude, like, it's a scary world out there. I mean, I feel like we were pretty limited to like to what we could be exposed to yeah. at, at an early age. But now, I mean, with the internet and everything, it's just it's a scary world for kids, man. You can pull up anything you want, and YouTube goes on random play or whatever. Yeah. And if you shut the TV off and leave it on and turn it on an hour later. And it's like, what are you watching? Yep. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. Well you, so in school growing up, were you, it was easy for you to make friends. Were you, were you, I mean, you're, you're not, I wouldn't say reserved, but you're definitely quieter than, than other guys in the group. Yeah. Which I've always noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not like a shy thing. I don't think it's just your, you think about what you're going to say before you say it. You, you, you're very, uh, introspective. I think like you, you seem to be quite a thinker. Um, and that's what I gather anyways, from the time <laughs> sure, we met yeah. you, you know what I mean? Where yeah. I don't, I wouldn't expect you to just kind of like come out and just say something, um, uh, without thinking about it first. So is that kind of how you've always been? Yeah. More I think of a so. quiet. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say I, I am shy. Okay. And I think I grew up, especially younger, I was super shy and super quiet. Okay. I mean, like, that that's what I remember. I, a lot from, you know, even through high school, people always being like, you're so quiet, you're so shy. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's just how I've always been, I guess. But was it easy for you to make friends? Or were you trying to make friends? Or were you kind of an introvert in school as far as, you know, your day-to-day? It's I something I ask because it yeah. kind of when you go into a career like this, it's interesting to me where people came from that led up to this because sure. it's such a weird experience. It is weird, yeah. Um, I I don't think I was like super introverted, but I wasn't like I definitely was not like out there being like, Bleh, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, I I feel like I had like my solid group of friends and kind of just stuck to that i guess i don't know okay yeah and their friend were these friends uh, did you have some of these friends that went to japanese school as well on saturdays or was it more no i kind of had like my regular school friends and i had some japanese school friends okay <laughs> separated. yeah yeah <laughs> um so i don't need these on anymore but so with that when did when did you start getting your own opinions about music and everything else was it that young when yeah. you your mom let you bring your, your yeah yeah out? yeah I think it was like so what was that like fourth fourth grade or so fourth fifth grade maybe um yeah I mean I think I mean I w- it wasn't necessarily conscious but I think I just started really getting into it you know okay and then I'd always played a little bit of guitar just because it was always in my house mm-hmm. you know because my dad would play and he taught me like how to play you know really basic chords and whatever and I think he taught me uh smoke on the water i feel like was like the first <laughs> riff i learned you know which is probably everybody's first riff probably yeah um but yeah so you know once i started getting into that stuff i like really wanted to learn how to play the guitar better and whatever so okay yeah and did you keep up how long did you keep up with the piano lessons uh i do remember doing them um, in orange county so at least till like fourth grade okay yeah okay Cause you do a lot of, I mean, you do a lot of composing with, with thrice. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the other thing I want to talk about too, is you've been, I mean, thrice has been your band, your yeah. whole career. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it probably one of your first bands, like yeah. not your first, I don't think, but 
Uh, pretty, pretty, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, Dustin and I had a band pre-Thrice, but it, I mean, it's I, I don't even you can really call it a band. Like we, what was it called? I don't even remember. Oh no, no, no! It was called Out of Step. Out of Step. Was, yeah, minor threat reference. Uh-huh. Uh, but it was like Dustin, I think, played bass, and then I was playing guitar, and then we had a friend, Robert who played guitar and sang and then our friend jason played drums but like i think we played one show and played all covers wow and it was was like it's not a show even like we played the parking lot of something for you know (laughs) what i mean like i don't even know what it was for yeah uh and that was that wow so uh, yeah that was it and then after that i think dustin and i just kept you know, playing and trying to write together, and then we ended up doing thrice. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And when did skateboarding come into play with you? Because that that's another huge deal that brings you into music. And it is. Yeah. Yeah. Different it's, things. Yeah, I know. It's it, honestly skateboarding was everything. <laughs> when did that hit? Uh, seventh grade. Seventh grade. Okay. Yeah. So seventh grade so and middle on. school. Yep. Yeah, that was like. I mean, it it still is a huge influence in my life. Yeah. And, you know, even in retrospect, I, I look back and I'm like, wow, it, it formed so much of who I am, even musically. Like all, all the music that I found around that time was from skate videos. Yeah. So is that how you were exposed to skateboarding first with skate videos or was it did you just have one or get one and, and go for it? Um, I actually remember like the first time I kind of got hooked on it. It was uh, I was at a friend's sleepover. And we were going to go get lunch at this place, at this Mexican food spot. Mm -hmm. And it was like maybe a mile, mile and a half or so away. Okay. And he had all these different things. So people were like, okay, I'm going to take this bike. I'll take this bike. I think there were some rollerblades. And then the last (laughs) thing left was a skateboard. And I was like, I guess I'll ride this thing, you know? Yeah. And I remember skating down this, you know, trying to keep up with everybody. I hadn't really skated that much before and it's kind of awkward and hard at first i remember being like this sucks because i was like the way behind everybody else and whatever but then we got back and for whatever reason i think i i like just stayed outside and i was like trying to figure out how to do an ollie Mm -hmm. in the driveway and i think that just from there i I don't know what what clicked but it, it it stuck with me and i think i got home and was like i need a skateboard and uh Saved up some money and then ended up buying a skateboard, I think, is how it worked. I can't remember exactly. Interesting. Did you get, like, an allowance back then and stuff, or did you? Yeah, I think I did. Okay. Yeah, that or, like, I honestly, you know, it's funny because I listen to, like, these skate podcasts and people remember their first board. Yeah. And they can, they're like, yeah, it was, you know, it was this deck by this company and it was whatever. I have no idea. I have the worst memory. But you remember the moment that I do remember the moment. Yeah, 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 I do. I do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that that was like the beginning of skateboarding for me and it, it just ended up taking over my life up through high school. I mean, even when Thrice was first started, I was I mean, like if you we did an EP called First Impressions, which was like oh, yeah. a seven song thing that I like, remember that. Yeah, yeah. We we like <laughs> wrote and recorded that within the first three months of us being together. 
But I mean, if you look at the pictures in that, like Eddie and I were both just like little skater kids. Yeah. <laughs> Baggy was, pants and backwards hats. And oh, yeah, those days, man, like that. That's great. Like I was into skateboarding somewhat, but I was never good at it. I did it mainly right. for transportation yeah, and yeah, just yeah. to hang out. Yeah. Like that's where I started smoking right. and that's where I started, you know, like out front of school. My mom went to, my mom was very supportive. She went and bought a, she went to a fencing company and bought just the main post for a fence. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, made put it, it on some boards. Yeah. Oh, and nice. I put it out in the street where yeah. I lived and would just try to get, I never made it onto it to grind it ever. It right. was awful, but she tried. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. And, uh, but I never got, and then I got into music and music took over, yeah. over skateboard. That's how I got into a lot of stuff similar to everybody yeah, with the yeah skateboarding yeah. do you remember like the big the big bands for you during that time that really stuck out to you i mean you guys always toured you guys were always a different like a heavier band touring with bands mm -hmm. that would totally come from like the skate yeah i mean i think early on so like seventh grade or whatever it was so i ended up going from like metal to punk and mm -hmm. i think that was because of skateboarding um just watching, you know, like videos like the early Plan B videos. I remember there's a lot of um, like really early Green Day in there. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. I got into that from that. So, you know, stuff from Kerplunk. Yep. 1039 slapped out, whatever. Smoothed out slapped. Yeah, yards. yeah. That one. <laughs> um, Back when there was solos. Yeah, dude. The, those first three Green Day records up until uh, Dookie like were huge for me. Yeah. Um, and I think after Dookie, like I started getting into more hardcore and whatever, but um it's funny i was just talking about this with dave our guitar tech who used to do a radio show so kuci was like the local uh college radio station uh -huh. and i we all used to listen to that like pretty religiously because at that point there was no real internet or anything like that yeah. so radio is where you found new bands mm -hmm. and college radio was the only place that was playing the music that we liked and so dave had a show on there and i used to listen to his show all the time Really? Yeah, yeah. We, we've known him for years, and we, we used to call him KUCI Dave. Um, <laughs> but I found out, or I figured out, that the first time I'd ever heard Refused was on his show. I was listening to his show. Okay. And it was like this insane pivotal. It was like one of those, again, one of those moments where I actually remember like where I was and what I was doing. That's incredible. Yeah, so I was just talking about that with him last night. But yeah. See, these are big things because, you like you said, your memory's not great, but these not, things are yeah. imprinted on you. Yeah, certain things stick with me, I guess, yeah. Man, is there like, I talked about this a little bit with Ray Harkins. I don't know if you're Ray, Har Ray Harkins from Taken. I'm oh, sure of course. You do. Of course yeah, you yeah, do. Yeah, yes, yeah, you yeah, do. Yeah, you guys are I was talking about it with him. We went over on the podcast after his wife um, was cleared from cancer. Yeah, yeah how records can imprint on you like you can you can put it on and go back to that spot you were sitting at when you first heard it mm -hmm. and how important that is and just were are there some records now you can listen to that instantly just take you back to that time or you just like can just you you feels like you're on a skateboard just like yeah definitely take you back that that far i mean and that refused record probably was that shape punk to come that he was playing or was it that? was yeah it was um uh deadly rhythm okay and uh, I think he, I think he said he'd gotten some kind of advance before the record came out or something like that, mm -hmm. or some kind of like three song, like more of a sampler kind of thing, okay, or something like that. Yeah. And he was playing that song, and I I remember it kind of starts off with that little jazz intro yeah. with that little trumpet, the mm -hmm. and I I kind of just caught my attention right away, and then that song just slammed in, and I was like, holy crap, what is this? 
And then it got to the jazz break where it does the boom, 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 you know, the little yeah. upright bass thing and pff, just mind exploded. <laughs> and I literally remember exactly where I was driving at that time. It's That's crazy. incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. So I, I love this about you because, the, I mean, the, your upbringing is so similar to like the little, the little um, not landmarks, but the, the uh, what you call them, like mm-hmm. checkpoints, basically. Some of them are, are pretty similar. Yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. You know, getting in it. Like Thrasher Magazine. Do you used to like look at the music in Thrasher Magazine and, and or like compilations at the skate shops and things like yeah, that? Yeah, 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 definitely. Okay. Um, yeah, I was more of a trans world guy. Okay. Myself, at least. Back in the day. Are. Yeah, yeah. Um, you had access to a lot of things being in Southern California, too. Like what skateboarding? All, everything. Oh, yeah. Music, yeah. Every, oh, yeah everything right. culture related. Yeah, oh, yeah, right especially there. compared to Alaska, I guess. Oh, yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, anywhere in the country yeah. at that time. Yeah. Especially before the internet, like, boom, like, you were in the middle of it. Like, a little bit of a drive here, a little bit of a drive there. Yeah. But, I mean, if you had the means and the, the, the money and the means to get around, I mean, you could have seen probably every band that came, you know, from any country would hit there, you know what I mean? Like. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely more like, uh, more like SoCal punk mm-hmm. you know centric i guess because that's what was happening around us yeah um like i i didn't really start getting exposed to like east coast stuff you know equal vision and that you know those kinds of labels mm-hmm. and till till a little later um but yeah so at first it was like a lot of uh fat records kind of stuff and yeah yeah have you seen that documentary that's on prime uh no a fat wreck no do you guys have uh, Prime streaming yeah, yeah, in your yeah. system. Uh-huh. It's called the Fat Rec. It's on there. You can watch it. It's the story of Fat Records. Oh, and interesting. It's done very well. Yeah, that'd be interesting um, to watch. Yeah. It, I mean, talking about yeah, Tony Sly and all those guys like, and uh, Propagandi and Fat okay. Mike going at it, and things oh, like crazy. that. It's a great documentary. But yeah, I'll um, have to check that out. It's yeah. good. Um, but when so so uh, when did you meet Dustin and Ed and Riley? Like, how did that come about? Um, so Dustin, I knew from high school, mm-hmm. he, we went to the same high school and he like, he didn't really skate, but he kind of like ran in this similar circle. Like I remember he used to show up at skate sessions and just like hang out or he'd have like, if we were skating kind of near his neighborhood, mm-hmm. uh, he'd like show up with an acoustic guitar or something and just hang out. Um, and so, you know, we had similar musical tastes and whatever, and he knew I played guitar and I think. I don't know exactly how the talk started, but mm-hmm. I think it was probably just like, hey, we like the same music. We both play instruments. We should do something. Um, and then Ed, I knew from skateboarding. Okay. So he, he went to, he was in Irvine as well, but he went to a different high school. And, but at that time, especially like the skate community was really small. Okay. So if you skated and you were in our town, like, you know, we knew you kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, and so, yeah, I would skate with Ed all the time. Uh, and I knew that he played guitar okay, a little bit just from, you know, going to his house and he had an acoustic guitar and he'd noodle around on it. And so we were like, well, we need somebody to play bass. Would you be down to try and play bass? And he was like, yeah, I've never really played bass, but I'm sure I could do it. <laughs> and uh, so that was that. And then uh, Riley is Eddie's older brother. Yeah. So that was kind of a given there. Yeah, well, not really, because I mean, at that right? at the time he was like he's like four or five years older yeah, than okay. us. Yeah, okay. And so a big when you, it is, then. yeah, when you're like 17 and somebody's 23, yeah, 
or 22 or whatever. It's like, you know, they're, they're in a pretty different spot in their life at that sure. point. And so, uh, it was kind of more like, Hey, my older brother plays drums. He might like help us out for a little bit, you know, if, when we're first trying to write songs or jam or whatever, maybe yeah. he'll jam with us, that kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's okay. kind of how that all came about. And then magic happens. Things start going crazy. Like, pretty yeah. fast I mean, you guys were i mean i remember hearing about uh let's see the first show i saw you guys at was the club had changed names so many times it was the uh the meow meow that was called b complex oh, i yeah, think it was b, b uh -huh. complex when you guys played it because it was anti-flag yeah you guys and i think the starting line okay yeah I think it was a weird no it's it was st wait starting line what? No, starting line sorry that was another show it was you guys in anti-flag the flag. Was it a tsunami bomb? Yes, maybe it was tsunami bomb because I remember. Oh, I'm trying to remember back to what. I remember Phoenix Ignition. Okay. Because it was this big sing along and everyone was singing along to it, and oh, I'd never heard it before. So yeah, I was like, yeah. "What am I missing here?" <laughs> and that's when I started like delving into everything. Uh, we went to see Anti Flag because Anti Flag was uh, one of those bands. We used to go to the record store and find the coolest cover, and that yeah. was what we would buy. Right, and right. they had that Die for the Government cover, like, what is this? Yeah. So we went for Anti-Flag, but then it was like, what is this? And I'm just watching. You guys play. I was like, this is great. And from that point on, just started you know, getting into it and listening oh, cool. to it. And then that was back in the days when it was small enough that you could just go up to the merch table, and you still can some places, and just, hey, man, how you doing? Like, yeah. I love your music. And yeah, that's kind yeah. of how... That's how you and I met is through that and everybody in the band was we would just show up after the show, go out to the van or something and just chat it up. Yeah. And then ended up going and like doing warp tour at the same time and just kind of we never toured together, mm -hmm. but we were on similar things and, and just kind of kept in touch that way. It yeah, was kind I do. of interesting. Like, I do remember seeing you guys around in Portland when we played Portland shows. Yeah. And I do remember some warp dates maybe. Yeah. It yeah. was two thousand visu came out that that okay. was when visu came out yeah um and we were on this tiny stage the kevin says stage and yeah, we kept okay. breaking <laughs> things and they're like you can't play on the stage anymore you got to go to volcom we're like okay we went to volcom stage and then it just kind of grew from there we slept through our main stage slot on in portland kevin no. gave us main stage oh, as a favor dude. and we, we showed up like two he's like dude you guys were on at noon on mains i gave you main stage oh like, dude we've been playing like four o'clock every day how are we supposed to know this? And he's like, dude, seriously. Like, it was just a blank stage. Oh, my God. For that half hour or whatever. Anyways. But the coolest thing about you guys, and I talked about it in the episode with all of you guys, but the the way you guys tour and make friends with everybody on tour, it's kind of like a family environment. Like, everything from, like, the, the old, um, like, the blog on the website to what you guys, you guys always put what records you're listening to or what books oh, you're yeah. reading. Mm -hmm. Were you a big reader before? I mean, I know Dustin's a big reader, but were you a big reader before Thrice? Like, you seems like you guys kind of do a lot of the same things. Uh, and I don't I'll, know if that comes from other influence in the band versus before. Sure, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest, I'm not even really a big reader now. Really? I, yeah, I wish I was, man. Um, I do enjoy reading and when I do like if I sit down and get into a book I'll like really get into mm -hmm. it and like fire through a book but um, yeah I'm not a huge reader I don't okay. know I don't know what it is about it um, I think for me I'm like I'm kind of scatterbrained I just have so many things that 
thinking about and I like want to focus on that it's mm-hmm. hard for me to like sit down and, and just kind of zone in on one thing. Um, but uh, yeah, obviously Dustin's a huge reader. I'd, I'd say Dustin and Riley are kind of the two like bookworms in the band. Okay. Um, Dustin definitely probably number one. Uh, my wife is a huge bookworm. Okay. All she does is read. So like, and she always gives me a hard time cause she'll, she's always reading and I'm like, just, I don't even know I'm doing something else, <laughs> but she's like, if you want to read, you'll make the time. And I'm like, you're right. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on guys. This is Dewey from peer pleasure. And I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, They have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working, as most people are, online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, Uh, You want to get those people paid when you put that music online, and splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits, and all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Mods to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. 
peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the past cast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the past cast. The past cast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest. Uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of, of that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. Cause I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. When, so, so, and I I know I'm going to, I'm going to breeze over a bunch of the thrice stuff because there's. A lot of things I want to talk to you about. Sure. So people know the the discography and kind of what transpired here, there. I mean, from different producers to changing the sound every record and things like that, which is very interesting stuff. But uh, I want to cover some other stuff. I want because you're a family man, you know, uh, married with kids mm-hmm. in a rock band. Mm-hmm. Still, I mean, a successful rock band that's still on the road. You guys have a very unique. Uh, touring uh, strategy, which has seemed to be working out, from what I can tell, on the outside. Yeah, uh, with family and and job, and then you do all sorts of other things. Like you've got Taranishi Studios, which is which is your leather company. Yeah, and I want to talk about that too because that's I mean, it seems like I could go and find something interesting that you're doing at any time. Like, wait, what? He's doing what now? Like, <laughs> so. Kind of tell me about, I mean, being a father and being on the road like you are, you know, how you balance things, you know, some of the good, some of the bad. I mean, what's what's that like? I mean, I, I, I never had kids on the road. So, like, for you, how do you make that work? It's rough, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's, hard. it's the hardest thing about doing this is being away mm. from family. Um, I think especially for, for our family, because we're pretty tight knit and we do a lot of things together. We pretty much do everything together, Mm -hmm. especially when I'm home. So like when I leave, it's such a giant shakeup within the family dynamic, you know? Um, cause I'm there all the time and then all of a sudden I'm just gone. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's tough, you know, and it's tough. It's hot. 
it's hard even coming back because you know you leave and it's this giant shift in the family dynamic and then you come back home and then it's another giant shift in the family dynamic so it's hard um i don't know i mean it's you know unfortunately it's it's just part of part of the the deal yeah and so we've just learned how to how to deal with that you know Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean it i don't know it's weird it's it's never easy uh but i feel like it's maybe a little bit easier now that our kids are a little older yeah at least for for my wife maybe i don't know i don't know if she'd say so or not but uh you know especially with babies and stuff i'm sure you know like they're they're just a lot more um Need uh, they're needy. Like needy, they need yeah, you. They yeah, need it's, it's attention li- all the yeah, time. Yeah, it might be a little more draining or something. I don't know. Sure. I don't know. I'm sure my wife's gonna disagree. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you guys have been married a long time. I yeah. mean you've had I mean and you've been kind of in and out touring the whole I mean, the whole time as far as yeah. when they're younger. Do you remember the first time it probably was different for the other two kids, but your first kid when they finally realized what was happening as far as before they probably like, well, see you later, Dad. They didn't know yeah. you were going to be gone through, and they really don't know time. Yep. Do you remember when they first started knowing, like, oh God, Dad's going away for three weeks, or Dad's going? Yeah, away for- not specifically, but I do remember, like, when he would start getting bummed, mm-hmm. like, oh, you're leaving, you know, and I was yeah. like, oh shit, yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. <sighs> so I, yeah, I do remember that a little bit. Um, yeah, it sucks. I mean, do you think about? do you think about things differently when you're on stage now? I mean, because it's, it's, I mean, it's been a job for a long time. It's an extremely creative job, but it's how you support your family. Do you think about things differently on stage now being a father and being away and having that longing to be home or are you able to shut that part off enough to stay in the, in the moment? No, I think it's more like you can use it to your, advantage in a way like it keeps you from uh not necessarily taking it for granted but like you know if i'm ever feeling whatever it's kind of like well dude you know you're out here you're doing something that you love to do mm-hmm. and you're getting to support your family by doing this like you know make yeah. the best of it kind of thing you're very lucky because you have a wife that takes care of the kids when you're gone and yeah. understands uh, luckily, you guys have been together long enough that she knows the the, the deal, you know, like, yeah. uh, but is still supportive with that for you. And I mean, that's an extremely lucky place to be. It I is. Mean, yeah. Yeah. She's she's gnarly. She homeschools our kids, too. Really? Yeah. So she's homeschooling three boys. She's got three boys. <laughs> uh, and, you know, like I was talking to you earlier, like our uh-huh. kids are full blown soccer mode right now. Yeah. So they're all super into soccer and they're all playing. So she's got three kids going to practices, you know, twice a week. She's got three games every weekend. Like it's gnarly. Oh my God. Right now, today, two of them had tournaments. And so she literally had five games between the three boys today. Today. And so she like (sighs) was trying to figure out how to get them to each one and how to work it out. It's just like, She's gnarly. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. So you, God, that's insane. Yeah. So she's, I mean, she's doing it all by herself. You yeah. Know? Like, that's crazy. Yeah. That's I mean, insane. you know, she's got friends and whatever to help her out, but still it's, uh, sure. it's tough. Yeah. Sure. 
and then you're out here getting to to go have no, no, Japanese curry yeah. and and uh, <laughs> be on a podcast and then go rock the place. You know? Yeah, yeah. That man, that's just an amazing, amazing dynamic you guys have to to make that all work. And then yeah. you had the interesting experience of this is the deal. This is what we're doing. This is my job. Then so you're you're leaving the family, going back to the family. So you're that kind of it's not a wedge, but I know what you're talking about. Even when I get home from work every day, it's like, yeah. okay, my routine's completely shot because yep. you're home, you know. Yep. Yep. Um then thrice became no more. Mm-hmm. So you were home all yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. Then that generated a move up to Vashon. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about that. Yeah. Um the decision to move up there and kind of your experience there on Vashon because then you from kind of following on the Instagram and stuff like that, that that workshop you had and like just this incredibly creative uh, creative side of you that came out with the leather work and just the the just design yeah. um, was fascinating. So kind of run through that with me as, as far as like, so Dustin said he wants to, to uh, uh, it was Mars Hill I think that he went to up there. We, we have to talk about that stuff, but right. um, he felt he needed to go that route. So band goes on hold uh, indefinitely. Don't know what's going to happen. Yep. You guys both ended up heading up North. Yeah. Independently. Independently. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think, you know, even a little bit before the hiatus stuff started coming up, I, my wife and I were already kind of thinking about wanting to get out of California. Mm-hmm. Um, I think especially when you're doing, doing this where you're, you know, traveling so much or in cities every day and it's kind of a hustle and bustle environment, mm-hmm. uh, getting home to, to like urban or suburban environments, like was a little, I don't know. It makes you, it, it makes you long for, I think, uh, a slower pace, Yeah. you know, when you're at home, at least, you know, for me, I'm kind of a s- slow dude. <laughs> um, and so we'd already been kind of talking about stuff, but then, uh, you know, the stuff, the talk of the hiatus stuff started coming up and well, you know, it was like, well, all right, now what? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think we kind of looked at it as, as a chance to, to start a new chapter. And so I, I'd, I'd always liked the Northwest a lot mm-hmm. just from touring. Uh, I liked Seattle. I liked Portland too. And it was kind of, we were trying to figure out between the two. Um, but I also knew I wanted to be kind of outside the city. I wanted something rural, something slower. And then I'd always known about Vashon for some reason. I'm not sure why. Okay. Um, but I, you know, especially knew that there were islands, you know, near Seattle that you can live on. And that was always really fascinating. Mm-hmm. It sounds really romantic, right? Yeah. Like, and so, um, I, I'm not sure why I knew about Vashon in particular, but I did. And so we took a trip out, uh, I think our second son was like a couple months old at that point. Okay. We took a trip out, uh, stayed for like a week or so in an Airbnb. Okay. Uh, and just fell in love with the place and we we're like, all right, screw it. Let's just do it. And so we sold our house in Orange County, bought a house up in Vashon uh-huh. and just made the move. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Just dove right into it. Did you feel just invigorated with that new adventure? I mean, did it, did it have the effect on you you thought it would as far as? getting out of city um, kind of hearing your own thoughts for a little while it did it yeah it it was definitely a hard transition mm-hmm. uh there was uh, there's a 
I'd say at least it was like a year of breaking into like the new, I mean, not only was it like a change of, uh, environment as far as like, you know, city to like a small town, Mm -hmm. but also just going from sunny Southern California (laughs) (laughs) to freaking dark and damp, Uh you know, Northwest. Yeah. So yeah, you know, it was, it was a hard transition, but it was also something that we knew it was we knew it was coming. You yeah. Know, we knew that it wasn't going to be easy. Um, and especially when we first moved, Thrice was still going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We were, I think, yeah, we were in the process of writing uh, Major Minor, okay. which was like the last record we did before we took the hiatus. Yeah. And so I was still, you know, flying back and forth for mm-hmm. writing and then recording. And then also that last tour that we did. And so my wife was like on Vashon on his island in the Pacific Northwest uh-huh. by herself with two kids at the time. Oh my God. Not knowing anybody in a small community. Like, yeah. so I think she had a really hard time at first. Um, but you know, once we acclimated and mm-hmm. once we start started to get to know, uh, the community and all the people there, you know, we, we loved it. It was, it's an am- it, amazing place. And the whole experience was like, you know, obviously life changing and yeah. really formative for us and even our children, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really special thing. Like yeah. having that opportunity. I yeah. mean, and you guys also, I mean, you guys are such a unique spot because you came from when people bought records Yeah, and people no longer buy records. Nope. So like the <laughs> money changes big time. The need for tour changes big time. Yeah. The need to, I mean, you're essentially running a t-shirt business, you know, like yeah. it, it's kind of how people put it. Yeah. Uh, so, it's almost kind of lucky going through that that rise back when back when things were you know the way they used to be mm-hmm. until now to be able to have a little bit more grounding for when things did go away for a while you know what yeah. I mean for where it wasn't you know destitute um, be able to say hey let's try this out kind of thing and yeah when did when did you start uh, Taranishi for with the leather work um, so that that was like a hobby that I was doing just on the side on the road really like I'd always been into making things I Mm -hmm. think and working with my hands and whatever and so like early on you know Ed's the same way but yeah we used to we used to knit and crochet in the in the back of the van to kill time you know yeah um and so you know I've always been into making stuff I think I got I started getting into sewing uh just like making I tried to make some of my own clothes and Mm -hmm. whatever and I, I was sewing like tote bags or something like that and i was really digging that but i was like i'm not going to try and bring a sewing machine on tour you know mm-hmm. um but then i th- i don't know i mean i guess i just probably thought about it and was like oh if i do leather work it's hand stitching yeah i won't need a machine and i can do it on the road so i think i started thinking about that and one day i think we were in like Minneapolis or something like that. And I just randomly looked it up. I was like, I wonder if there's a leather store near the venue. And there was like a couple miles away. So I took a taxi, mm-hmm. took a cab. It was before Uber. <laughs> uh, and then actually Ed and I both went, I think, or maybe somebody drove us. Maybe we had a runner drive us. Okay. Um, but we went to the leather store, bought all the like, you know, basic tools you need, which is not much yeah. like a cutting board, a knife, you know, and all, which is how you poke the holes and some needle and thread. Uh-huh. And, uh, 
yeah, just started experimenting with stuff. And that slowly turned into like a small side business that I basically started selling stuff just to sustain the hobby because mm-hmm. leather's not ex- not cheap. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's kind of an expensive hobby. And so I was like, well, I think the stuff's like decent enough to at least sell for cheap. And then it just kind of slowly started snowballing from there. And by the time uh, the, the band was talking about going on hiatus, you know, I was obviously pretty, pretty scared. Didn't yeah. know what I was going to, I mean, I've been playing in this band for my entire adult life. Yeah. Literally the only job I had ever had before that was working in a skate shop. Mm-hmm. So I went from, you know, working in a skate shop, which was my first job ever <laughs> to playing in a band. And that's all I'd ever done. Yeah. And so I was just like, I had, you know, I didn't go to college. Like, it's just like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. So I think music would have been an obvious choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether just, you know, trying to play with other people yeah. or I had recorded um, a couple of Thrice's records. And so music production, I think, was like the the most probable mm-hmm. path to take. Um, and I did obviously think about that. But at this point, you know, I'd been doing music for 12 years or something like that. Yeah. And I just, I really wanted to try something else, you know. Um, and I just, I have a lot of interests and passions outside of music. And mm-hmm. so I, I'd always wanted to, you know, try my hand at other stuff. And I figured this was the chance to do it, if any, you know, it's now. So um, I think I gave myself like a year. I was like, I'll try this for a year. If, if it seems like it's going to go well, I'll keep doing it. If mm-hmm. not, then I'll figure it, re, you know, reconfigure uh, and try and figure something else out. Um, but yeah, luckily, like it actually kind of worked out and slowly started to grow as, and become an actual like company in a business. Okay. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It's crazy. It's just all, everything you've done has been from your hands. Yeah. I guess like so. you just <laughs> literally like like plant the seed and just see it through yeah I it's think, inspiring well i mean i think i was lucky enough to be able to to do a slow growth thing even mm-hmm. with that you know um had i needed to make money with it right off the bat i don't think i could have done it you know yeah um but yeah i mean it, it just was like a really natural kind of slow growth thing mm-hmm. just like with the band you know yeah um yeah, it was it was fun, man. I like I super super duper enjoy it. Yeah. Um not only just the making side, but really the designing side. That's um, one thing that really stuck out to me was the design. Yeah. Like looking at this like going through the website, you had that little video on there. Oh, cool, yeah. Um that kind of showed, you know, you were working and then you had some employees helping out or whatever yeah. and then but showing the design and like all the different panels and stuff of the the bags and I mean that was like I was looking I was like, "Geez, this is like really good this isn't like it didn't strike me as a hobby right like right. it's like wow this is really good stuff like it was just it was it was inspiring to watch like oh cool yeah this is this is great like uh, that was something that immediately stood out to me i was just oh, like wow awesome. everything this guy does is just like uh, i think it, it may look on the outside like it's more of a struggle than it is or, or less of a struggle than it is because you make things look very like from playing guitar to you know your leather work everything like you make it look so easy just because i mean your techniques at a, at a point where like even from the early days watching you play guitar I was just like why is it so easy like how is he doing this like just 
easily is what it seemed like like all the time and uh, just like up there shredding i'm just kind of watching like not even a struggle like just having a good time you know (laughs) some people can't pull that off you know what i mean where look you can see when they make a mistake or when they when they uh oh that's all just about playing it off man (laughs) then then you're (laughs) your profession's very different because uh that's something i've noticed you know always has just been this like calm calm demeanor even on stage even when you're you're you know in the heat of the moment like there's still this like calmness to you oh, that's cool and yeah. it's like this um have you ever looked into like the stoicism stuff and like the no, uh, not really. um it's kind of like just accepting like the zen like oh, uh, right, accepting right. what is as what it is and well we're in traffic right now instead of like oh we gotta get to here yeah well i mean i think that's that's just part of the Japanese culture really you know it's probably just part of my just upbringing I think okay I mean even even with like design Mm -hmm. and crafting and stuff that you know there's this uh term in Japanese called wabi-sabi uh-huh and it's like it's it's a pretty like spiritual thought but in essence it's this idea that there is beauty and imperfection Mm -hmm. and so uh, you know, that was a huge kind of part of our philosophy too, with our designing and, and crafting as well. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. I, it seems also strange that there's a term like, because there's everything, there seems to be so much, and it may just be a stereotype, but perfection is kind of something that's seems to be like expected on a lot of, a right. lot of planes that way. Well, there's something to be said so. about like, I think that imperfection is is the human touch. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If something was completely perfect, then it wouldn't feel human, and it wouldn't. There's a there's a warmth to that, I think, and a sure. comfort to that. I 100% agree with and that. And so I think that's that's kind of the the ethos of wabi sabi is like you okay, know, it's that human element in something, and I think that translates to music as well. Mm-hmm. 100%. You know, yeah. I mean, it's something that we strive for. Uh, even in the studio where you know we don't want it to sound super perfect mm-hmm. we don't we're not sitting there you know trying to overplay things to where they're really perfect we're keeping uh you know weird imperfections and string noises and mm-hmm. uh that kind of stuff on purpose because it feels real and it feels visceral and it has that human element you know yeah yeah that's one thing you guys have been able to capture so well through everything from the music to the words to how everything plays together it seems like so much goes into it and you can tell like everyone has a part in writing the music every song is just different in itself from beginning to end like you can hear the different influence you can hear the different style like and something where you guys have always had that human element you know like you're talking about like that's one thing that's always been me is why it feels so accessible is because like I understand it right on a human level right you know what you're doing and and uh it's always changing it's always different but when you see it all come together it all makes sense you know right. what I mean like it's I know you guys have probably gotten pushed back on records where some fans are like what is this you know yeah. until no listen to it again and then oh this is my favorite record they have now you know like yeah you guys have always been good about um, you know, putting out something unique cool, every yeah. time, Yeah. which, uh, you know, despite what anyone says about it, you know, like no people understand, you know, eventually sometimes it takes a little while, Yeah. but it's yeah, something yeah. that's brave. And the other thing too, that, that, uh, 
I've really been impressed with by you guys since the beginning days is just good people, you know, um, like I was saying, like how you have that, that calm feeling. You're almost like not superheroes, but like <laughs> there's different, I'm trying to think of the right way to describe it where each person has their place, right? Yeah. Where, uh, I'm trying to think how to say, they used to do it like, so I'm, this is a s- stupid analogy, but like new kids on the block, right? Yeah. Back when I was a little kid. Yeah. We get the fan guide or whatever, and it was like, oh, Danny's the whatever guy. The and, cute guy. And yeah, and there's yeah, yeah, all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you guys have that to where each one of you has your role that that I don't I, I don't think it could ever continue without one of you. Yeah. But that is so cool to me to see that, that this can sustain on you guys alone are, are together, not apart. You know what I mean? Where yeah, and I think that's part. Important. I think that's part luck, huge part luck that you know that it worked out that way. But also, I th- you know at this point we've been a band for twenty years, and so yeah. we've had to work all those things out. We've had to learn how to like gel together. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, it's it's just a, it's a definite accomplishment. It's a massive. I mean, it's it's just cool to see. It's refreshing, you know, in an industry that there's so much. Uh, just just uh it's all a facade it seems like sure. but, but then when you meet people like you guys who are the real deal like in it for the right reasons you need to do it because it's what you do i mean it's not not about i mean of course it supports the family but this is in you guys yeah like it's part of who you are and you share it with everybody else i mean it's a special thing and you guys are also have sustained this band without the crazy rehab drama like <laughs> you know what i mean where yeah like it seems like everyone eventually falls into you know uh like jeff from thursday was sitting right there i was right here the same couch talking i had no idea he was into heroin and everything else and it's like what mm-hmm. you know you guys have always been i wouldn't say it's straight and narrow like good good old boys but you guys have been just a positive influence from who you are to what you're doing and that that itself is also awesome. Yeah, that's cool. You know? I mean, I think it, in the past too, it's been painted as us being boring. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I think we've always just been mellow dudes, and I don't know, not not really in it to be partying or doing anything, but you know, yeah. just doing it because we're stoked to be doing it. Yeah, sure. And it's great because, like, you know, uh, nearly twenty years, eighteen years ago, maybe it was seventeen years ago, probably is when we first. Like talking at the van. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly the same as it is right now. Yeah. The same person. Like, it's just something you don't see very often. You know, things happen, people change. But it's nice to have a, with as inconsistent as you guys are sound wise and stylistically, as people, you're very consistent and and who you are. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's something I've really, and that's why I've wanted to do this for so long is, is just, I've never gotten to hear where this all came from sure you know what i mean yeah. from you yeah um and so i appreciate i appreciate you sharing with me you know and and uh i'm sure the listenership will as well but uh yeah cool I mean, you guys so the new record palms is out mm-hmm. you guys are touring on it now and your touring cycle has been kind of strange too where it's a couple weeks on is it what three weeks and then two weeks off something like that where yeah so uh, yeah coming out of the hiatus that was one thing that we talked about and, you know, we're just trying to figure out how we can make this more sustainable and easier on us and our mm-hmm. families. 
And so that was one of the things is, you know, when it's when it's something that we can control, so basically just, you know, when we're doing a headline tour. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we try and keep things under three weeks or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so this tour, I think, would have been like a six-week tour total, but we broke it up into two legs, which is we did that before as well. So we just we did like three and a half weeks, I think. On the first leg, we were home for like two weeks, and then this next leg is like another two and a half weeks or something like that. Okay. Um, so yeah, last night was San Francisco, and that was like the first show back from the two-week break. And uh, <laughs> had a little figuring out to do. <laughs> kind of got on stage, and I was like, um, I might not remember how to play these songs. Uh, I mean, two weeks is like not that long, but it's also enough of a break to like start to settle really back into home life. And then you just, you just shift gears, you know what yeah. I mean? And so all of a sudden I was back on stage and I was like, Oh, right. <laughs> this. <laughs> so hope, hopefully tonight we'll be a little more, uh, put together. We'll see. Forgot how to play deadbolt and everyone just walks out. <laughs> that, that one, I don't think I'll ever forget. That's just, I can play that in my sleep. I've played that song so many times. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Ed was telling me you guys were still, still playing. I was like, Hey, you have to, you said, told about a uh, t-shirt. Yeah. Oh yeah. Did you talk about the shirt? Yeah. yeah. I've seen thrice play dead bolt. What, that, that was times? a funny one. Yeah. He like, it was literally in a text or something. We were trying to figure out, we had a text thread going, trying to figure out what, um, shirts to do for this next run. Uh-huh. I think we were swapping a couple designs out. And Ed, I think, literally said that verbatim, like joking, like we should just make a shirt that says I've seen Thrice play Deadbolt 4,000 times. And then everybody was like, I'm down. Let's do it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then that was that. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Well, and you guys did that tour with what? Deftones Rise Against, and that was out of your control. So that one was a little longer, yep. right? You- yep. Yeah, yeah. So when it's a tour like that, obviously you can't be, you know, yeah. you, so you, you're you kind of at the mercy of whatever the schedule is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, already is. Um, I think that was like four, maybe five weeks. Okay. Yeah. I remember seeing that. And I was like, man, that they're out for a while because this was after yeah. the, um, when we talked last, yep. um, where you guys were telling me about this kind of idea of to do these tours this way. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it really only works out when we can do it. Yeah. You know, or we can call the shots. Okay. But um yeah, you know, it it helps. Yeah. It definitely helps. Okay. Well, awesome, man. Well, Tepe, thanks for coming on the show, dude. I appreciate this time. I I really do. Like it's yeah. it means a lot and yeah. uh you know, I'm glad to get your story, you know, cuz I mean, I've been I've been want, we we haven't had a lot of opportunities to sit down and just chat for sure, and yeah. stuff like that with and and kind of go back and and I that's one thing I really like about doing the show is having um, the opportunity to do that and, and, you know, it's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me so, on, man. Yeah. Awesome. Stoked. Yeah. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Tepe Teranishi from Thrice. As I said in the intro, uh, this was a really special conversation for me. I had a great time. I was in person, uh, with a good friend and going through a story that not a lot of people have heard. And I hope you guys got something out of it and kind of heard what Tepe's about. Something I've known for a long time, him as a person, but, it was nice to peel back the onion a little bit and and get to the bottom of where he comes from and what inspires him. Um, he's a great family man, uh, father. I mean, he's he's just a cool dude. Everything he seems to do, he seems to thrive in. Whether it's you know it comes easy or or at a cost to him, um, he seems to really shine. And that's something I've always seen. And that band as a whole is the same way. They, I mean, as, no matter how hard things get. 
they they shine they always have and that's why they've stayed around and that's why they still have a massive draw and watching them play last night to a packed house the roseland was just special and and uh really enjoyed it so thanks to those guys for the hospitality thanks to tepe for coming on for an hour and spilling his guts on the show and just thanks for you guys for sticking around so i'm not gonna ramble on much more here so i just want to say thank you again for sticking in there and we're gonna try to bring you an episode every week sometimes you may see it's a bi-weekly thing um but i'll definitely let you know and we've got a lot of cool things in the works a lot of great guests coming up and uh, as always, peerpleasurepod at gmail.com. You can reach out to me with questions or guest uh, suggestions or anything. Just reach out to chat. You know, something's bothering you, something's, you know, on your mind. Hit me up. Uh, I'm always around and love to interact with you guys. So uh, once again, thank you for sticking around. We are back. We have great guests coming up. Thanks again to Tepe and the Thrice Boys for the hospitality. Rockabilly.com, Sticker Ninja. Check them out great sponsors for the show and as always we'll see you on the radio I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to something about the Beatles, now at Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts.